Oh, hey there, you bloody wankers. Kevin Goatee here, gutting the sacred cow. Usually, actually always, I open the show with some witty quip and tease the episode about can the guest try and convince us? Well, today, no more poker face because Race Decanus, show favorite, has decided to come on and just spit in my face by trying to, trying to, take down my personal all-time favorite film. You know it. You love it. Caddyshack. That's right. He has come for the king, and he will miss. Or will he? Let's find out as we have guest co-host. Oh, you know him and love him, too. Also equally offended, Bill Schultz. So it's a two-on-one and a hell in a cell for Race to Canis. Can he even make a dent? Let's find out. Gather round, here's what I know. you yes could i speak to the drug dealer of the house please i beg your pardon it's a beautiful day and we're out killing drug dealers are there any in the house bill schultz pal name that film i know this oh god 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 no i'm usually good at these okay uh, you're very good at these i give you full credit that's why i had to go a little deeper with this one. Oh gosh what have you well, I have a guess if you want to. You wait your turn, Ray Sicanus. My my wheels are still cranking. Go ahead, Ray. Thank you. Thank you for enjoying good radio, Bill. What I would (laughs) say is my initial guess would be The Burbs. If it's not The Burbs, I'm going with Original Gangsters starring Jim Brown and Pam Greer. Well, sir, you are wrong on both accounts. I'm going to go back to my friend Bill Schultz because, well... I called on you first in class, and we don't let you shirk your responsibilities. Bill Schultz, name that film. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to say something 80s then, I guess, because uh, we're going God, I don't. Oh, gosh. Um, and time's up. The answer is 1993's Last Action Hero. Ah! I would, you know what? I wouldn't have gotten that. That was not even in my... I completely forgot that. It is so good and so disrespected. Shame on you. Welcome. It's it's on cable now nonstop, but I'm getting sucked right in every time. Welcome. That's great. Welcome to Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best movie review slash movie debate podcast out there where the guests pick a film they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. Today, we are rejoined by our friend Ray Stekanis. We love Ray. He's a lightning rod, but today... I always like to shield my emotions and thoughts of a film until it's time for my arguments. But today, Ray's decided to come right to my castle and try and knock down those walls. So I make no bones about hiding Ray's choice and my feelings toward Ray for this hour and a half. And that Riz Caddyshack, my all-time favorite film. Bill Schultz heard this and immediately the bat signal was cast in the sky and said, I don't care what I have going on that day. I am co-hosting. I said, yes, you are. Caddyshack in 1980. I, I assume I misheard and you, and you said Caddyshack too. And I'm like, well, that's a gimme. And I don't even know if that applies. <laughs> yeah, he, 
He must have, he must have pulled uh, uh, Shelly from Cali and watched the wrong film where she watched the sequel to Dumb and Dumber as opposed to the original. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know. That's Kit, what I want to hear. Probably Shel- Shelly Martinez is a gem, folks. Give her a watch. <laughs> Caddyshack, 1980. Box office, uh, sorry, budget, $6 million bucks. Box office draw, $60 million bucks. 10X, 2023 money. $29.1 million budget. $218.7 million gross. Friends, that I was surprised because I read every imaginable book about the making of this and other stuff like that. They painted it like this film was a bomb. Those aren't totally. bomb numbers. Not yes. At all. Yeah, no, that is completely inaccurate. I think what the issue was, was they all thought it was going to be an animal house as far as box office and um the impact it would initially have in the culture. And that didn't happen, but it was a hit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's talk numbers. IMDB folks, as we know, one through 10 with decimal points. Race to Canis, what did Caddyshack score in the old IMDB? Well, mongrels seem to like it, Kevin. So I'm going to go <laughs> with a 7.9. <sighs> oh, out of the gates. This is going to be nothing but more than nuclear fallout when we're done with you. Bill Schultz, what do you have for Caddyshack? I'll, I'll go for an eight just to secure my win. 7.2, unfortunately. Ah, I never get these. And I usually get the quotes and now I'm screwed. Rotten Tomatoes, Schultzy, one through 100. What did the critics give Caddyshack? Oh, critics. Okay. Uh, 70. Ray Sicanus. If it's out of 100, I'm going with about a 54. 73. Faith is restored in humanity. And Bill. Wait, Faith (laughs) in Humanity, that's one number off from the last one. What are you talking about? (laughs) Audience Rotten Tomatoes score race to Canis. Oh, it's, 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 listen, again, some people really like it, but then other people have seen it. Uh, So I'm going to have to go with (laughs) a uh, 6.2 or 62, whichever's more appropriate. 62. Audience score, Bill Schultz. 88. 87. Unbelievable. Oh, I swear to God, I didn't cheat. I'm, I'm back, baby. Uh, I like how Ray's drinking a Pepsi free. That's like drinking a liquefied tire. Uh, their tasted films and soft drinks are both adorable. These are Pepsi Zero Sugar. Pepsi Zero Sugar, same thing. As a bonus. This isn't 1984, Kevin. <laughs> I was going to say, is, it, is this a bit in Back to the Future? Yeah. You want a Pepsi, pal, you got to pay for it. <laughs> As a bonus, I looked up Caddyshack. Two's scores on the Rotten Tomatoes. Shall we guess what the critics gave Caddyshack two? An eighteen. Schultz. Oh, all right. Uh, Just to be a dick, I'll go twenty. Four. Four. Okay. No, that tracks. That's four too many in my book. Audience Rotten Tomatoes score Caddyshack two. Race to Canis. What did the audience give it? (laughs) I'm gonna keep it eighteen. I just I feel like that's an appropriate number. Schultz. Fifteen. One of you is dead nuts on has won both showcases on the fabulous prices, right? Race to Candace, come on down. Yeah. A- and fish a hundred dollar bill out of my pants pockets, please. Again. And now, <laughs> and now, friends, it's time for the section that everyone on Twitter expected me to do a lot of, and that is quotes. I have one? capped myself at 20, and I found that painstaking to do wow. at 20 because there are easily 50 we could have done with this film. I want a hamburger. 
No, a cheeseburger. There's a brown Audi parked in my parking space. I ain't paying no 50 cents for no Coke. Well, the world needs its sugars too. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. Okay, you can owe me. You want your driver? No, he's not my type. You know, they say for Italians, this is skilled labor. Uh, want to make $14 a hard way? What are you doing Saturday? Want to come to my house and mow my lawn? You put your suit on. You shave your ass. <laughs> How about a fresca? Ah, oh, oh. Mm. Mm -hmm. Cannibal, cannibal coming. Duty, duty, do don't touch it. Well, thanks for nothing. 50 bucks says the smell kid picks his nose. Your Honor, Your Honor, keep it fair. Keep it fair. I can't accept that. Oh, my arm. It's broken. Well, we're waiting. Moose, Rocco, help the judge find his checkbook. All right, I've capped enough. Bill Schultz, there is about 175 other ones out there. Please keep it to about a, a good 10 to 15. I was born to love you. <laughs> I was born to lick your face. I was born to, to rub, rub you, you, but you were born, born to, to rub, rub me first. first. Um, well, when you had told me that you had 20, I thought that I would, since Ray is being the king of contrarians by actually attempting to besmirch this Oscar-winning film, I would be contrarian this time around and give you guys a couple quick quotes from the actors involved discussing the movie. Please. Up a little bit because everyone watching this, like me, has memorized the movie. So here you go. I'll give you one. Uh, it's sort of like how people call the 60s. Anybody who says they remember being there while filming Caddyshack really wasn't there. That would be from O'Keefe, the guy that played the wonderful, very underused. Danny, Danny Noonan. Um, Chevy Chase. Uh, Bill replaced me on Saturday Night Live. Part of the reason I left after the first season was I wanted to marry his this girl who everybody knew was Ron except me. It didn't last. But everyone from SNL came out for the wedding, and John Belushi got so drunk, he started making out with my mother. <laughs> I, 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 I turned down Animal House to do foul play with Goldie Hahn, and then I got the Caddyshack script. My father told me to stay away from Republicans on golf courses because they just wasted the day so they could stay away from their families. I agree. I mean, what the hell was golf? Walking around like it was some kind of sport? And then finally, Chevy Chase again. Is it the funniest movie, sports movie ever? Maybe. I can't imagine there was a Babe Ruth movie that was funnier. And <laughs> really there you go. A little, some behind-the-scenes action for you. I, I enjoyed I only, it. I would only add to that the Babe Ruth story starring Babe Ruth is maybe one of the most hilarious movies of all time as noted alcoholic Babe Ruth goes into a bar and orders a glass of milk. Yes, oh, sir. Never William saw Penn this. Oh, it is unbelievable. And a horrible prosthetic nose is just the beginning. Oh. Five fun facts plus one. The upscale Bushwood Country Club is based on the Indian Hill Club where Brian Doyle Murray and his brothers worked during childhood summers in Winnetka, Illinois. Bill Murray ran the hot dog stand as, the, as a teenager. <laughs> the sound effects for the gopher were reused from the TV series Flipper. Amazing. The rough cut of the movie was four and a half hours long. Oh, oh kill me. <laughs> it was packed with so many good jokes that Harold Ramis didn't want to edit any of them out. Now, I hate, as we do in this podcast, we only do theatrical cuts, not director's cuts. I think I'd be curious to watch 
another hour of this, but four and a half is way too much for me. Maybe. Maybe. I had read, perhaps apocryphal, that because Harold Ramis is dead and he had it somewhere written that we will never see these deleted scenes in this. Apparently, it's an entirely different film. Um, but because of something about what Harold Ramis wrote or requested uh, in his will, we'll never be able to see this. Yeah, that's called uh, that's called trying to do good in your final act. That's all that is. <laughs> Jerry Lewis has a, Jerry Lewis has a Nazi uh, clown story shelved, but that still made its way around. Why can't we'll Caddyshack? We'll see it eventually. The day yeah. the clown cried. The climactic scene featuring real explosions on a fake green built at Rolling Hills Country Club in Davie, Florida, where the film was shot. Initially, the production wasn't allowed to use real explosives, but the filmmakers took the club's unsuspecting owners out to lunch so they could blow up the green anyway. Unbelievable. By the way, now you, you, you they, apparently they had a hard time finding a club that would let them do the film there, and right. you wonder why. Right. Uh, <laughs> Prior to Rodney Dangerfield being cast in the film, do you guys want to take a guess who they initially approached to be Al Chervik? I know, Bill, I'm sure I'll you know this. Go yeah, go know. ahead, Ray. Uh, Legend, I have Legend. absolutely no idea. I'm going to say Jerry Lewis. Oh, boy. You're actually kind of sort of close. Don Not bad. Rickles. Don Rickles is right. Nah, because, nah, far, yes. Which you can kind of see. Bonus fun fact. no difference to this movie at all if Don Rickles is playing that part. Maybe that's it part would of the only problem. be slightly less perfect. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the lead role of Danny Noonan, another Irish actor was considered. Ready for this one? Mickey Rourke was yes. considered for the Brilliant. role of Danny Noonan, but was ultimately rejected by Studio Brass, who claimed he was simply, quote, not funny enough. I just assumed he was too sexy. I didn't know that. Maybe the- uh, like Lacey Underalls would have been lucky to be with him. Yeah, I mean, Barfly and uh, Pope of Greenwich Village may never happen if he was in this. And uh, you're right, less sexy. Well, that's when he got less. That's when he was on the To be fair, better Mickey Rourke than Mickey Rooney. Hmm. (laughs) Fair. You know Mickey tried out for Rodney's role. Maybe Mickey Mantle should be part of that discussion, too. I like it. I like it. He can be on that course. And now, can you imagine him? You're in a force with him, Whitey Ford and Yogi Berra. Oh, no, sorry. Strike that. Whitey, well, I was just going to say, instead, Billy Martin, Whitey Ford, Mickey, and you. Can you imagine all the uh, shenanigans you'd hear about? Oh. You'd be blacked out by the ninth hole. If that. All right, let's get right to the chase where we have the fans get in and have a lot of hatred for you, Ray. A lot. Let's go right to Ask a Gutter at Newark Knight, Brandon Oglesby. Almighty Ray has balls going after this one. Who is more incompetent at their job, Bill Murray's greenskeeper or Kevin James' character in Paul Blart, Mall Cop? Oh, that's easy. Paul Blart, Mall Cop, is, uh, he's, he, he caught the terrorists. So obviously he did his job. That gopher's still alive at the end of the movie. This is a no-brainer. And it makes it to the sequel as well. Thank you. At Hokey90 underscore CA, Chris Stevens, Caddyshack is unguttable, but this will make for good theater. But the quote section alone will last at least an hour. The most quotable movie in (laughs) history. It's crazy to me because all those quotes that you said at the beginning right there, all of me was like, yes, those were lines from this movie. Nothing particularly memorable about any of them. There's the Fresca line. There's the bowl of soup line, which isn't funny. 
And then there's the, well, we're waiting line only because it shows up in memes. Every single time you're late posting a podcast, you're supposed to. You'll well, get stuff you didn't like it, Ray. It sounds like Skynet has taken over and already implanted Ray with a chip because we know he's not human. He's strictly robotic. Next at Bjorn the Viking, I'm curious to what Almighty Ray is going to say. Probably how unrealistic the gopher survives all the traps and explosives. Does Ray think the gopher has tune force or another example of the Unicron singularity? Wow, that is meta and I am all for it. Here for that. Now, listen, I have my own thoughts on the gopher, why it's an incredibly stupid thing to be in this movie, why it doesn't fit in any way. We'll get into it during the gutting. The go the gopher is very divisive amongst fans. I will say that if you're over the age of eight, it is. If it's not, if you're not, then it is not. At Delvin Cox, the marbles on uh -oh. Almighty Ray. I don't even want to ask him. So I'm more floored and dare I say proud. It's bold. That's fair. I mean, the thing is, Delvin likes to take movies that are actually unguttable. I just took. A, a roadside accident that you guys planted a flag in for some reason. And I say, no, that's actually needs to be put in the trash. You're really not defending Avatar, are you? And look, I'm not going to defend Avatar. It was Jaws is really the one I was talking well, about. Well, that, that, we have common ground now. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Back off common Jaws ground. Is, Jaws is unguttable. Look, Avatar yes. is just, there's nothing there. It's, yeah. it's a special effects movie and it's fine, but like, there's nothing to gut. There's nothing to hate. There's really nothing to love. That's why no one talks about it. They go to see it, they pay their money, they do that thing that we do here in American capitalism, and then you never speak of it again. You know, a lot like sex with me in college. hey -oh. <laughs> And <laughs> now. Once. <laughs> <laughs> At Xyphos, all I can think about that is, and he uses a gif, well, the world needs ditch diggers too. At well... Yeah, ahead, I think it's a testament to that film how many gifts came from it. I, this has got to be the most gifable film that was made well over 40 years ago, ever. I mean, Jesus. 42 and a half. They call this yeah. a movie, TCTM Pod. If you could fist fight any former SNL cast member, who would it be? Well, that's obviously a reference to Chevy Chase and Bill Murray. Uh, I would fist fight. We're asking a gutter, Bill Schultz, not oh, you. Sorry. I'm sorry if Bill wants to go first. Uh, I <laughs> no, have my no, answer, that, that, That's a good question. I don't want to, I don't I, want to I, I, derail your train. Oh, boy. Anthony Michael Hall. No, the answer is Rob Schneider, and it's not even close. I see. Yeah, he was annoying. Not a fan of copies. <laughs> I mean, look, as much as the animal will never appear on this show. Yes. Maybe Judge Dredd has a chance. No. Dread does that was commercially Not successful, right? Yeah, but no one's going to care if people take apart Judge Dread. Dread, on the other hand, Dredd. is fantastic. I haven't seen that. I need to see that. What you, Mister Comic Book Nerd himself? That film is fantastic. You must invest no, in. I don't kind of like these reboots. Didn't see the new RoboCop. Well, I won't either. I just don't have an interest. In, I the, if the original is enough, then it's enough. That's but Judge Dread. Hold on, the deviate. Judge Dread is a piece of garbage. We all know that. This is, and I say this before, when people say, you give me an it, example man. of it, a reboot that surpasses the original, this, my friend, and the Star Trek reboot are the two I always quote are being way better than the original. Now, I'll never watch Point Break. I'll never watch RoboCop right. because those films are, on Total Recall, those Total films are recall, perfect. No. 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 See, but, the thing is, though, but I consider Demolition Man to be the original Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd movie. And given that, I don't need to see the new one. Well, Demolition uh, Man I've is fantastic. Three, I can't argue that. I've got 
three seashells that tell you that that is one of the better movies ever. And that's a Rob shells. And that's a Rob Schneider vehicle as well, Ray. So look how it all ties back into him. Next at Nemorovsky. At Nemorovsky, are you sure you didn't pull a Shelly from Cali and watch Caddyshack too? <laughs> this is the thing I have to say. Like, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I just watched this movie last night for the first time in a very, very long time. And I did not laugh a single time. I was not bemused a single time. I seriously do not know what any of you are talking about when you pretend this is a good be funny, see interesting. You clearly don't know what the word bemused means. Yes. <laughs> and continuing along our eventual points, Bill Schultz, at Eric4953, quotes, Hey, Wang, I think this place is restricted. Don't tell him you're Jewish. Okay, fine. We have a pool and a pond. I think the pond would be good for you. Cannibal, be the ball, Danny. What's that sign say? No bare feet. What's that sign say? No fighting. If we're getting questions of the way of quotes, that can only tell you how ubiquitous and perfect this film is. Wait, I continue. Parking lot. Stop taking pictures. <laughs> I have. I had that shirt too. It faded away. Uh, how can at Eric four nine five three? How can I ask a gutter when I am stupefied? I understand you are a Lions fan, so you like pain and hate joy. But how can you possibly hate this movie? Probably the most quoted movie amongst my friends, Eric. You're just making our case for us without us even saying just a because word. you can remember a few lines from a movie does not mean anything is palatable about it. This is one of the most un, this is the most flavorless movies I've ever seen in my entire. The fact we'll get that he remembers we'll that the Lions are an NFL team is in, is impressive enough, although I have them winning yes. the division next year, as do I. <laughs> By the way, you're welcome for beating the Minnesota Vikings yesterday, Ray, as, and, and Bill, both division rivals of your teams. You're welcome. I mean, I listen, the Vikings, nobody – how do you really hate the Vikings? Like maybe, you know, like 15 no, years ago, we all hate the Packers, but the Vikings are like, well, if somebody has to win and it's not us, at least it's not the Packers. Fair. Yeah, that's true. I feel the same way about the Tampa Bay Rays for the yeah. Yankees and the same way, I guess, about the – the, the the Redskins, nay, Commanders. We're going back to that. Next. Hey, command, Kevin. Yes. Uh, at Rex Crumb, I don't even know where to begin. All I can assume that is that anyone who hates Caddyshack is as garbage person as Vladimir Putin. Wow. Comrade, comrade Cicadas, what do you have to say about Vladimir that? I Putin quoting this movie. I could. I mean, Ray, give him credit for doing a very topical dig. Yeah. I mean, look, Vladimir Putin's been topical for 30 years. He's been topical since Caddyshack was probably in theaters. So I don't know if I'm going to give him too much credit. I can't wait till we dig the I, I, I can't wait till we dig the cancer out of Putin as we dig the cancer out of Ray Stekanis and his hatred for this film. At at uh, Eric4953, hey, Bill Schultz, rip this man almighty right up for even attempting this movie. I, I will try. I will try. I will try valiantly and I will succeed. At Ty Tannenbaum, the guy who wrote it committing suicide because he didn't think it was funny is hilarious. Mm. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. I mean, maybe a hint. <laughs> I, also read, I also read Brian Doyle Murray would get drunk and stumble around the streets because he was so angry that he would never, ever be able to replicate what a tour de force this film was in his future writings. He's his right. future writings, this movie was 87% improvised. What would Brian Doyle Murray even take credit for other than having a golf course in it? I'm going to fact check you on the 87% improvised, please. Uh, but, but Brian Doyle actually has a, the best improvised line in uh, Wayne's World, where he's talking about the gelatinous cube. 
uh, and the video game that he's marketing, it is all nonsense and all hilarious. His one I, scene in that movie. I thought you were going to tell me you loved how he rapped. It's hip. It's something. It's Noah's Arcade. Arms flex. Oh, there's that too. Yes. But uh, that I don't think was improv. But uh, yeah. That's going to close it out for Ask a Gutter. This is going to be quite the bloodbath. And I'm sure all the fans are just giddy with anticipation. Before we get to it, though, let's have everybody remember, no one listens to the end of podcast. Race to Canis, what are you up to? Where can we find you? Because we do plugs in the beginning. Honestly, I love that plan. Let's talk about it. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Let's just go ahead and start there. I do a few different shows. You have the Who Would Win show, which is yep. myself and James Gabsey. Uh, Kevin, you've been on a few times at this point. Yes, sir. Uh, to judge where we debate fictional battles between characters from comic books, sci-fi, movies, anime, video games, wherever you can find characters, a.k.a. everywhere. We will discuss them. And uh, will they? who would win in a fight between them? We have a wonderful, spirited, fun debate. I also do Knowing It's Half the Podcast, what started as the G.I. Joe recap show. We take an irreverent and uh, very saucy look at cartoons from the 80s and 90s with a fresh pair of eyes. And we have a lot of fun on that show as well. And then finally, I wrote, produced, and am a character in Reclaimed Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. You can find it at VampireDetroit.com. Uh, five episodes are out. I'm working on the rest of season one. And it's a fully realized 20 years in the making project for me. It's my uh, it's my baby. It's my pet project, and I'm very proud of what we've done. That's very. It begs uh, the question. Yeah. It begs the question: Who would want to a claim Detroit, and furthermore reclaim Detroit? <laughs> uh, the answer, uh, Bill, is bad people and worse people. Sounds like RoboCop. Ah. <laughs> I'll, I'll answer the worst people part. They are filming Beverly Hills Cop Four right now, which is about as good uh, of an idea about as good of an idea as it is making Caddyshack Three. You know what the you know what the heartbreak of Beverly Hills Cop franchise is? The third one was a great premise. Die Hard in a theme park is great. It's a good idea. The movie yep. sucked, but well, uh, yeah. It broke my sequel rule. One of them, the two part of that, of course, being one, you cannot have pass have the original, and the sequel have a ten year elapsed period, which in fact that does. But the main the main part of the sequel rule theory is you cannot have the original in R and any of the sequels a PG thirteen. That was the only problem sure. I had with Ron Burgundy sequel. I thought it was very underrated, but PG oh, I hated it. Anchorman two is terrible. Uh, you know what? I laughed a lot more in Anchorman 2 than I did watching Caddyshack last yeah. night. I promise you that right now. Uh, I, I will, will say give, I, I will give I will give Ray credit, despite his horrible barb, for bringing us back on track. We were deviating <laughs> and he brought us back to the Caddyshack. So there you go. That's what I Bill do. I'm a natural host. Bill Schultz. Listen, I like to I like to weave in and out, especially this one, because we know it's going to get fast and furious. Bill Schultz, what are you up to, my friend? Tell us where the fine folks can find you. Thank you, buddy. Um, uh, as, as you well know, as one of our Jesus, unfortunately, we tolerate probably the most heavily on of all our regulars. Um, Wisely so. With, I am on with the lovely and talented Joanne. I'm still getting used to this good heart. Formerly Miss Nosochinsky. Apparently she's married now. Um, at, on a little show called Morning with not one, but three exclamation points on compoundmedia.com. The subscription is like $9 or something a month, but it's like there's so much quality programming. You can't afford not to purchase it. Maybe if you DM me, I'll give you a free one though. And, but furthermore, I want to also promote my bonafides for this show. There is a method behind the madness of my screen name here. Sister Nancy Murray is Bill Murray's sister. She is also an actual nun. And she used to babysit me when I was a kid. Furthermore, I caddied at a competing 
club, not 10 minutes from the one that the Murray brothers did, uh, worked at in uh, Winnetka. And thirdly, I am a bill that's beloved both in Chicago and New York. So you guys, this is the perfect bill <laughs> for, this, for this show. That's fantastic, Bill. You know, what I would actually say is I am completely unknown in both Chicago and New York. So we have that <laughs> sort of in common. And well, LA. If you check the last statement, you would find that perhaps I, I might be a little bit unknown in both two. And in LA. I'm giving you full credit. <laughs> you can find Gutting the Sacred Cow in Detroit, LA, Chicago, New York. You can find it all around the world. People listen Whoa. to us in the Philippines, Germany, Australia, India, everywhere. Gutting the Sacred Cow on all podcast platforms and YouTube. And if you have not yet written a five-star rating, two or three sentence review, shame on you. But listen, now is your time for redemption. Please do so. And we screenshot our favorite reviews and repost them on the socials at Gutting the Sacred Cow Podcast on Instagram and TikTok and GTSC Podcast on Twitter. Bill, let's take Ray, hold him by the hand, and walk him right on down the green mile as we welcome him to Gut the Sacred Cow. First off, let me just say, I understand who the audience is and I understand who the two of you are. So at the end of this episode, no matter how well I do, I do appreciate you're not going to admit it because that's like admitting your childhood was a mistake. So I'm just going to go ahead and start there. <laughs> I people, always admit that. <laughs> people who like Caddyshack and think Caddyshack is funny don't actually like Caddyshack or think it's funny. They liked their childhood. They liked the age that they were when they saw Caddyshack and wished they could go back to that time. The age that I sat down from A to Z and actually watched Caddyshack was 2023, yesterday. The first time I actually sat down and watched the movie in its entirety. And I do not need to go back to that bygone era of yesterday. And I have no yearning for a past that will never be again. So therefore, I have no reason to pretend that Caddyshack is a good movie. And I'm going to use a Kevin Israel term, in our personal zeitgeist, okay? <laughs> Hold out the Z right word this early on. We're doing it. I'm look, I'm starting hot. I'm starting heavy because <laughs> I can't possibly weigh more. My point I'm trying to make is that when I first off saw that this is a Warner Brothers movie, I actually got a, a moment of hope because there's a chance that David Zaslav will cut it for future generations and save them from an unfunny, terribly broken movie. Cut it. Take the profits back. You need the tax break, David. Get rid of this from the catalog. Now, the thing that I opens up with is the fact it's that- It's an Orion picture, goddammit. Please give credit where credit is due. Yeah, they had Warner Brothers in the title. That's all I needed to see, Kevin. My point I'm trying to make is this thing opens up- <laughs> Already with our lead roaring unfactual statement the here. The only character that we're supposed to be rooting for, I think, I don't know, this movie's narrative is so botched. It's in, it's unbelievable. Is we open up with a caddy who apparently lives in Philip Rivers' house, which actually <laughs> I thought was incredible. There are pa so many pause, 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 pause. That was a fantastic joke, Ray. I gave you full Thank credit you. for the Philip Rivers. That was great. Thank Go you. ahead. Good job. Uh, there are so many children blocking the way in this house. Our protagonist has to escape on a window ladder in order to get down to his bike. Absolutely unbelievable. And at this moment, I thought, wow, maybe this movie has a chance. I still haven't laughed, 
but that's a slice of life moment for us all. When he dumps 19 spoonfuls of sugar on a bowl of Cheerios, takes it into the next room, takes one bite and leaves it on the counter. What an a-hole. This mom is too much to clean up already, and you're going to give her more? You're the one that needs to be responsible, Caddy. Hold on. I have a question. Did you have the same problem when Pee Wee Herman made an elaborate breakfast in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, took one bite of Mr. T's cereal, and pushed it away? Probably not. Hypocrite. I found it enraging then. I find it enraging now. Look, as my mom used to say to me, there are children around the world who are starving. Eat your sugar-clad Cheerios, you nerd. No, that's a full sentence. She said all those things to me. It was terrible. Now, let's talk about let's talk about the gopher because the gopher at first it pops up and i go oh interesting a child's puppet isn't this an r-rated film with sex drugs and everything else under the sun you wouldn't want your children to see oh yes so no wonder so many people saw this when they were eight years old and didn't understand 90 percent of what they were seeing or that movies could be bad see that's the problem you all saw this movie when you were under the age of 10 before you had an appreciation that a movie could be bad. So therefore you kept that internalized the entire time since then saying movies weren't bad when I saw them before I was 10. I saw Caddyshack before I was 10 because of this gopher that has no reason to be in this movie at all. You know, there's, there's, this is not really a slapstick movie. I saw this attemptedly compared to a Marx Brothers movie, but that can't be true because those are intelligent and funny. So uh, you, had a, you had a gopher puppet in here with dolphin noises. I knew the I knew the noises were wrong. Didn't know they were flipper noises until just now. That tracks with how little anybody considered any aspect of this movie. Why is there a gopher? Why is Bill Murray hunting it? Is it the central premise of the movie? I don't know because Answer there's no cocaine. general through line. <laughs> there is no general through line. You have the the caddy kid who wants a scholarship. Up until the point, two-thirds of the way through the movie where he doesn't, and I sat here and said, then why am I watching any of this? There's no stakes. There, let's talk about all the main characters of the movie, because the absolute worst human beings on the face of the earth, the people that you would never side with in any argument, whether it be verbal, physical, or otherwise, are golfers. Golfers are a stain on humanity. Have you ever spent time around actual golfers? These are the people that make you think the Titanic sinking was a great idea because most of those people were white. <laughs> As a former caddy, I can confirm that statement. So here's my biggest problem with Caddyshack. You have an entire movie filled with people who are awful. They are awful human beings. They have no consequences for their actions almost 100% of the time. And they just bounce around from one rich white person moment to the next. Oh, no, I lost my boat uh, to, to terrorism, basically. Oh, well, literally nothing happens to anyone involved. Who cares if nothing matters in this movie in any possible way, then this movie itself does not matter. And I know what Kevin's going to say. First off, Kevin's going to say, oh, Ray, 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 Ray. Oh, how about them lions? Yeah. And then he's going to say, ah, my giants, they want a playoff game. Yeah. And then I'm going to say, Kevin, do you have a point here? And he's going to say, ah, comedy is subjective. Just because you didn't find it funny doesn't mean it's funny. And I'll say, no, it's, it's objectively unfunny. And then Kevin's going to secondarily say, just because I want to keep doing the Kevin voice. <laughs> ah, Ray, <laughs> ah, I don't ah, sound like I'm a New York. <laughs> I'm a New Yorker who uh, I, I live in New Jersey, but I'm a New Yorker. God dang it. My what? teams play in New Jersey. And then I'm going to say, Kevin, is there a point to any of this? And he's going to say, the plots of comedies don't really matter, Ray. They're just there to tie the jokes together. 
But if the jokes all suck, who cares? Then you got to fall back on the plot. And if there's no plot and there's no jokes worth having, then why are we here? And funny, that's the point I get to. Funny, Ray, that sounds like me talking about the Princess Bride. <laughs> I mean, that's probably where I pulled the voice from. You think so? <laughs> so golfers are the worst people ever. And I'm being forced to follow them for a good hour and a half for their general hijinks being terrible to each other. I mean, heel versus heel in wrestling does not work because nobody wants to see a bad person beat up another bad person. It's either two good people I like or a good person and a bad person and I can root for somebody. In a movie with everyone being terrible, nobody cares. So everything everybody was doing did not matter. Now, let's start with Bill Murray, one of my favorite performers of all time, like Bill Murray in Zombieland, Bill Murray in Ghostbusters, Lost in Translation. The man is super talented and he can do absolutely anything. What is he doing in this movie? This is early Bill Murray. This is before Bill Murray actually got funny when he replaced Chevy Chase on SNL. And that might've happened a year sooner. It doesn't matter. Bill Murray had not found himself yet. Are you telling me that Meatballs was not funny? Undeniably, I'm telling you Meatballs was not funny. Well, we agree on that too, because that movie is an absolute <laughs> yeah, piece of garbage. Say, meatballs is <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, yeah and they made sequels, which blows my mind even more. They made a sequel to this, so who knows? Um, <laughs> Now, Bill Murray at the beginning of his career, Bill Murray hasn't figured it out yet. That's the big thing to think about here is that this is Bill Murray when he could do a voice and put virtually no character behind it. He's still, you know, he's a good improviser at this point, but it does not carry the load. Bill Murray absolutely is wasted, wasted in this movie. Maybe if you would have made it 10 years later, Bill Murray would have figured some stuff out by then. But Bill Murray in 1980 is just not Bill Murray. I'm sorry. And these are the level of jokes that we're talking about in this night. I gotta say, Ray has a very similar cadence to Seth Rogen. They have similar sounding voices. <laughs> yeah. So, Except Seth Rogen's funnier. <laughs> I mean, he he's got the more money, so I can't deny him. <laughs> Doesn't mean squat. The more, a ton of untalented people have more money than us, and they're, uh, whatever, onward and upward. I find that hard to believe that anyone has less money than me. Um, oh, my <laughs> Oh, Bill. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So let's talk about some of the general jokes in this movie because you get the very famous jokes of, oh, I hit the ball off a tree and it hit the caddy. <laughs> oh, I dropped a baby Ruth in a pool for unknown reasons. Everyone thinks it's poop. <laughs> oh, shit. That's hilarious. There's poop in the pool. Oh, my God. Movie classic. Oh, everyone has, uh, everyone is sweating profusely and has pit stains. Oh, shit. I'm dying inside right now. What is happening in this movie? These jokes are so stupid. These jokes have no meaning. And I understand that a joke can be stupid and be funny. But if you have to set up that, okay, we've got kids at the pool. They're there for 15 minutes in a day. One of them is going to eat a baby Ruth bar, a thing no one has ever done at a pool ever. And then we're going to have one hand, one hand, the candy bar to another kid who then drops it in the pool because yes, they're all sitting on the side of the pool and nobody in the entire pool saw any of this happen. Nobody who dropped the baby Ruth stops everybody and goes, sorry, I dropped my candy bar in the pool. And then at the end, Bill Murray's character eats the candy bar thinking it's poop. What is even happening in this movie? None of that is funny. I think All he did. It is horribly contrived, and none of it is any good. He did his best earliest uh-huh. impression of a Philadelphia Eagles fan eating horse shit after winning the Super Bowl. That was his. Uh, that was his uh, genesis that was, of that. That was a video. Yeah. And that actually exists. Yeah. I, here's the deal. We're not here to bag on Philadelphia fans. Unless We're not. They liked, <laughs> unless they liked Caddyshack. 
Bill Murray in this movie, I'll go back to him, is that he's the original incel. I've actually traced the incel movement all the way back to Bill Murray because another hilarious joke, he's washing his balls while thinking about having sex with old women. Oh boy, this thing's for everyone. I'm so glad my eight-year-old is going to get to see this because of a puppet. Well, you're movie's a bad rated, parent. The movie's so rated R, dildo. They're not supposed to watch it if you're oh, eight. Oh, yeah. Eight-year-olds never see R-rated movies, <laughs> poop head. Look, she was a little it. monkey woman. She was begging for it. <laughs> Dear Lord. So I asked ask the question. So the judge, we get introduced to the judge in this movie, who's an absolute piece of garbage. I think we can all agree. The That's problem the point. Is, <laughs> the problem is, Kevin, if I can finish my point, <laughs> Mike, I could tell that both of you know I'm right about everything because you feel a need to cut me off three words into every sentence. Now, my point is, the judge is an absolute piece of garbage. The problem in this movie is he's no different than every other character in the entire movie. There's no difference between Chevy Chase's level of garbage and uh, the judge's level of garbage. Rodney Dangerfield's level of garbage. Every single one of these people is the worst example of humanity. And we're going to put them in a movie and tell you, no, 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 these are the good ones. No, they're not. I don't care how many Nazis you put in front of me. They're all effing Nazis, okay? I'm not hearing it. These are the worst of humanity. And I'm not, they and were you put delightful in Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> I love me some Hogan's Heroes. You're right. You're right. Sergeant Schultz is on a level, but my point is still there. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, one of the least funny comedians of all time. Oh. Yeah, I knew I could get your reaction, done. Kevin, because you like unfunny comedians. So. Rodney Dangerfield hasn't been funny ever, but he definitely wasn't funny by 1980. Have you seen Ladybugs? It's basically him doing the same act, but suddenly it's bad. Jeez, maybe it was bad the whole time, Kevin. And then you didn't see Ladybugs when you were nine. I saw when I was 12. (laughs) Rodney, thank you. You don't have the same connection. Why is Rodney Dangerfield the cool one? I know. Okay, Rodney Dangerfield is basically what happened with those kids I knew in high school who used to love saying the N-word all the time. Now they're 50 years old, and they're exactly like Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack. They haven't changed. They're awful, and I don't want to be around them at any point, much less root for them in any type of scenario whatsoever. He is absolute garbage. And just because he's being garbage to other garbage people doesn't stop the pile of refuse before me. I would also ask the question, okay, next off, I am 25 minutes into the movie at this point, and I am already pausing it to see how much time is left. This is Caddyshack to me. I couldn't make it a half hour before wishing it was over. And I just, and here's my list of my next set of thoughts about a half hour into Caddyshack. One, when does this get funny? Two, I can't imagine watching this movie without a podcast being involved. Three, I think I'd rather watch... <laughs> Three. I think I'd rather. Uh, I think I'd rather marathon uh, an entire season of Gutfeld on Fox News than watch this. It would be <gasps> about as funny. Ray, you have no idea how I close you just hit Bill. Yeah, you hit it. You hit a sore spot with Bill right there. Hey, Bill, but... you're right. Well, Gutfeld is terrible. That's the comparison. Four. Oh boy, I'm glad we're having a good laugh at children drinking underage. Boy, this is really hitting my funny meter. And then five, I can't imagine being white enough to find this funny. These are all my general thoughts about 30 minutes into this movie. And you know what this movie was really missing? You know what I'm watching this unfunny turd treat and thinking to myself, boy, you know what I could really go for right now? An earnest sex scene with Chevy Chase. That's probably what my what I need. Is it a, is it a, is it a scene played for comedy? No, it's a sex scene with a girl from Tron 
<laughs> the girl from Tron having sex with Chevy Chase in a way too long scene where nothing funny happens. The entire reason for this scene being in the movie is Chevy Chase wanted to have simulated sex with the girl from Tron. And one, I get it. But two, I don't want to see it. You don't, though. You see her massaging him. That's it. Nothing else. Uh, they That's get it, it on. Kevin, I, I unfortunately have to tell eight-year-old self, they get it on. She has sex with multiple people in this movie. And why is the only woman of any approximation in this entire movie, basically, they come out of the beginning and say, she's a slut. And then she has sex with multiple people through the movie, flirts with about a handful more, and she is given no character development. Even at the end of the movie, she is no different a person than she was at the start. There was no reason for that character. Well, I'll tell you what. There were two reasons for that character, and I'll let you figure out what they were. Mm -hmm. Now. Wait, how do you know that? How do you know, how do you know in the deleted scenes that Judge Smell's wife didn't bang Danny Newton when he crashed into her shower? I mean, first off, fair enough. Second, Kevin, you're going to have to watch the four and a half hour and get back to me. <laughs> I ain't doing that with you, not even for a podcast. Now, another aspect of this movie that did not age well, well, it aged like fine Limburger. And that's the casual racism just spread throughout the entire movie. You know, I have a problem with older movies and casual racism. I had a big problem with the Transformers movie having these issues. And boy, this is a straight up hoods off moment at this point. If we're going to talk about the casual racism in Caddyshack, Rodney Dangerfield in particular, he calls somebody Sabu. He refers to a Negro and refers starts a joke about a colored man. And why did he know the joke with a colored man? That was so a priest. That was not Rodney. Uh, okay, fair enough. Who cares? They're all the same person. They're all the same. They're all the same pizza. The hut, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Mm, the whole point on that one. The whole point about talking about uh, oh, there's a joke about a colored man is to make sure we have a black guy in the frame get mad about it. Hilarious! Oh shit! This is so funny, Kevin. Yes, I'm waiting. A priest in the rain. I'm, I'm just going to go through all my notes here. A priest in the rain. Why? Why does this scene exist? The priest is is shooting golf in the rain. With, uh, with Bill Murray as his caddy, even though he's not a caddy. He just grabs him and says, you're my caddy now. They go out in the rain. He has the couple holes that are the best shots of his life. And then he gets struck by lightning and Bill Murray runs away. It's four minutes of the movie that I could do without. I, I You know, there's, you say it's four and a half hours. This is what stayed in. Boy, if you kept the priest in the rain in, you must have cut some real leather out of your, uh, out of your service right here. Also, I believe we see this priest later, so he didn't even die. So there's not even a point to this scene whatsoever, except for quote unquote hilarity, because nothing like watching a clergyman struck by lightning and left for dead tickles my funny bone, except perhaps season two of Gutfeld, which I'm sure will be coming out very, very soon. <laughs> what a ponderously unpleasant movie this is. And there's no joy to be found in this movie. This is a movie about a bunch of terrible people who hate their lives, hate each other, and only go here to start trouble with each other so they can feel something. That is not a recipe for anything that I would ever want to see on screen. I would argue that Caddyshack is the strip club buffet of movies and that I know it exists, but it's probably done better somewhere else. <laughs> this is a movie for people who think that people of color should just cooperate with the police. This is a movie so flavorless, it makes vodka soda look delicious. Watching this movie, uh, I, again, I was not bemused. There, I, I'm not even kidding. Not one laugh. Not one smile happened. I'll, I take that back. One smile happened. And that's when 25 minutes in, I pressed the pause button to see how much time was left. Saw it was more than an hour. And then chuckled to myself, you've got to be kidding me. 
That was the one moment of joy. And that was self-deprecating at best that I had watching this movie. Unfunny, unpleasant, terrible people, no one to root for, no plot to follow, no jokes worth anything. This was done considerably better, considerably better in Caddyshack 2. Ah. Nurse, wow. nurse, nurse, wow, wow, raise wow. lithium. A prescription needs refill. Stat. He's hallucinating again, nurse. I actually Caddyshack. have to take that back. I've never actually seen Caddyshack 2, but what you I know, this is much like Highlander series. People say, oh, you don't want to see Highlander 2. That's the bad one. <laughs> well, you don't want to see Caddyshack 2, Ray. That's the bad. How bad compared to this does it have to be to get, you know what it was? You didn't see Caddyshack 2 till you were past the age of 10. There's probably no actual difference between them. It's just you. It's you that's the problem. Ray, give me number one to 10. Oh, boy. Boy. How low does the scale go? Uh, one to 10. One to 10. So let's just go zero. Let's just go straight zero. There is nothing redeemable about this movie. Rodney Dangerfield is just recycling the same jokes he's done his last 10 movies, which weren't funny then. He Bill started Murray, with this one. He's not recycling them. He's re well, his stand up jokes. Excuse uh, me. That's what I'm trying to say right there. He, he literally throws, I get no respect in here. Are you out of your effing mind? Yeah. Brian Doyle Murray wrote that. Sure. Yeah. What, what an auteur. Well, he's done better work is all I'm trying to say. Look, there is not a single character in this entire movie worth anything. How could you possibly watch that and find anyone funny when everyone is literally talking straight out of their butt? You can say ass. We're, we're at that point. <laughs> this is a man that takes the no swearing rule and remembers it. Yes. Uh, I remember it exists. Thank well, you we, well. Like, I give this a zero. It's irredeemable. There, there is nothing to like about this movie. It's not funny. I could say it a million more times until you get it through your bleeping thick skulls. I'm trying to <laughs> penetrate the brain of eight-year-old Kevin and eight-year-old Bill. This is not funny. It was never funny. Let it die. Let Warner Brothers remove it from the catalog Orion. so new generations will be saved from having to pretend this was funny. Bill Schultz. Oh, you look like Dick Buckus after he stored a line of coke off Gail Sarah's penis. Let's uh, let's see you go in there and tackle this bear with glasses and horrible tastes in beverages. That's for sure. Thank you for referencing both Dick Buckus and cocaine, because you guys didn't notice earlier, um, I am not only wearing a sort of an ode to the former franchise known as the Chicago Bears, but also, <laughs> in a weird way, a promotion for an upcoming movie that I know will disappoint me. I'll show it to you again. Cocaine oh, Bear. Oh. Anyway, there's a method to the madness that is a sweatshirt, because obviously this is based on the Murray brothers, this movie. They're time caddying. They're all from Chicago. And this movie is not a love letter to golf. It is a love letter to cocaine. <laughs> uh, it is, without, forget about the references throughout the movie, it was done fully and totally. And probably you could say the last creative thing that was positive that was completely the result of cocaine binges so heavy that the cast would use their per diem and use it as cash. Wherein the movie studio started to question, this is unheard of, why are they asking for cash for the per diem? It was to buy all the amazing Coke that was coming through Florida at that particular time in 1979 when they were filming it. And the proof is in the pudding. Now, all right, here's the thing. Ray, you did make me laugh. 
you made some points. I didn't say they were good points, but you made points. And oftentimes, Kevin <laughs> is upset when people don't make points. Very so you true. Did, you did your due diligence, but you used words like narrative. Uh, you used words like character development. You used words like um, premise. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Here's your premise. Rodney Dangerfield. Another yes. premise. Chevy Chase. Oh, look, here's another one. Bill Murray. Fuck, Ted Knight is the quiet MVP of this movie. It was Magic versus Bird of improv. And you got two guys that hated each other, although apparently they had since sort of mended fences. Um, just firing on all cylinders. They both wrote it. They both went against it. They just fed off each other. Yes, there was no reason for that scene. There was no reason for any of the scenes. And like you, 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 you talk about how offended you were of this bishop getting struck by lightning. This was a very celebrated actor going back to when he was in The Greatest Show on Earth and he was in a bunch of biblical movies uh, with Charlton Heston and stuff like this. This is a well-known actor. This was his last role. And they have a scene where after, right before, and I love, God bless Caddyshack for trying to get rat farts into the vernacular. <laughs> both with Spalding and the bishop, they both say this term that no one had ever said before and has since. Um, his one of his last lines is rat farts, and then he gets struck by the hand of God. Amazing, and then we see him again, bearded, disenchanted, suffering the the effects of post thud, post lightning disorder. And what does he say? There is no God. And if you want to get cerebral, perhaps that is the Murray brothers when they weren't caddying, striking a fist at their Catholic upbringing. Regardless, it's tremendous. Did it need to be there? None of it needed to be there. Listen, here's the thing about Caddyshack. It offered a message to Hollywood. I would actually say a mantra. What is character arc? What is <laughs> overall plot line? What is, um, you know, a beginning, a middle, and end? What is denouement? What is any of that bullshit? And I go, this is my Wedding Crashers thing. Wedding Crashers is another um, very profitable comedy right now the first 20 minutes of wedding crashers are goddamn tremendous the montage of them crashing every wedding over the wonderful also used in animal house soundtrack of uh jump is nothing but puerile and abject joy and then what do they do they go to a plot they go to a romantic subplot they go to character arcs they go to people changing the movie was supposed to be about wedding crashing. It's the first five minutes, and then they crash a funeral. What they didn't get was the message that Caddyshack had. They had a plot, and they said, fuck this plot. We've got these guys, and they're doing this. And you know what? They threw away the plot. They threw away the whole thing with the kids and... Um, you know, Noonan with his weirdly Irish and a horrifically offensive accent that was almost borderline Dick Van Dykean as far as her Irish accent was concerned. They threw it all away because they're like, this is the good stuff and perhaps people won't care. And America doesn't care. You give us enough quality, way years before Judd Apatow even learned how to jerk off, fully mostly improv film, and the people will come, Ray. The people will come. And I know you disagreed and did not find the jokes that they did funny. I say that this is a movie 
that came out in 1980, along with Blues Brothers, and you can make a huge argument that that shit does not age at all. And I know it is not good. It's a great, yeah. it's a, it's a great rock movie or, or music movie. It is not a good comedy at all. Exactly. And then you've got Airplane. Okay, that came out as well. Now, if you were to tell me 15 years ago what was the funniest movie out of all those three in 1980, I probably would have said Airplane. Let's use that recently as well. Airplane, while still great, mostly doesn't hold up as well as Caddyshack does. The one-liners that you claim to be so stupid are absolutely, and you gave us three, maybe four, poop-related juvenile examples. But the overall, the over-under, whatever you gamblers want to call it, uh, of the lines, improv or, or written, are magnificent and still hold up. And I was listening to a podcast just sort of going through the um, the background, the history of all of it, oral histories, all that. And they would just all of a sudden just kind of vaguely describe the scene. And I started giggling again. And I, no comedy holds up. Comedy changes, it evolves. For whatever fucking reason, this movie still, not because it was eight-year-old Bill, because I hated myself at eight, and I hate myself at 47, but I can disassociate from many movies. It's the over-the-top syndrome. I loved Over the Top. I thought it was the best. I watched it on my birthday. Well, <laughs> I, I, I realized what Over the Top is. By yourself. I can, I can separate. Um, but this thing, for whatever goddamn reason, it's a bit of a, a, a Florida miracle. It holds the fuck up. What takes me out is Noonan's teeth and his tidy whities uh, that's rough. <laughs> His um, teeth were rough. But, I didn't even mention him. You're right. Yeah, he's got the like. He's got Will. Is, he's got Will Ferrell like rat teeth. He really does. It was still a time in Hollywood where you could actually get fucking cast. Well, apparently, uh, you know, fighting a very sexy Mickey Rourke for the role with teeth like that, and, uh, and they'll yeah, give you a sex scene on top of it. Huh? They'll give you a sex scene on top of it. Which. God bless him. I mean, the minute Lacey Underalls, who never wears a bra, mind you, so you kind of get a good basic <laughs> idea, even on basic cable. Uh, the minute she comes on, and like every early 80s, late 70s film, they offer the opportunity, and then they provide on it. All you want to do is see her tits. Mission accomplished. This movie not only is a feel-gooder, it still makes me giggle and laugh out loud. And... Uh, it was all of these titans at the peak of their abilities. And it offered a message to Hollywood, and Hollywood did listen, and we are all lesser for it. See, again, Wedding Crashers or pretty much any comedy made after it that should have just stuck on its laurels and said, fuck you to plot, fuck you to uh, character arc, fuck you to the hero's journey, all of that bullshit, and just go with what's good. The people do not care about what you learn in film school. They want the goods. Caddyshack gave us the goods via a boatload of super pure Colombian cocaine. Yeah, Kev, if I may, I have some rebuttals uh, to what I, the, the uh, maybe longer than my gutting rebuttal to my rebuttal. Um, uh, first off, I have to ask a question. Did either of you watch this movie in the last week, say, to prepare for this uh, podcast? Not I'm only by saying I watch it weekly. <laughs> I watched this last week and I and I watch it at least once a year since I don't know how long. Probably, but I watched I, it last I week. 
Aside from Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think that that's the movie I've seen the most my entire life. Very and yeah, I mean, I, I, well, let me I tell you this right now. Uh, first off, if hating uh, the Fletch movies with Chevy Chase makes me un-American, you can just <laughs> call me the Iron Sheik circa 1979, okay? Chevy Chase in those movies is an absolute abomination. You can't give me a movie based around somebody I have no interest in watching because that's exactly what I will not do. You say, what's the difference between a uh, Wedding Crashers and and this movie? And Wedding Crashers is 100 times the movie that this one is. It takes the ideas of this movie and then synergizes them to something that actually works. You say, why, why do we need a plot that we can follow? Why do we need character development? Why do we need X, Y? Because it's entertaining. Because that's what helps you actually ground a movie in reality, causing you to riff on that reality, creating something I call comedy, which is not just a bunch of words spewed out like from some sort of magic eight ball. Now you'd say that scene between magical. you see the scene between it's about the only thing magical about it is the between Chevy Chase and Bill Murray, the overly long, unnecessary, unfunny scene was totally improvised. And that's fantastic. I've seen funnier improv at Joey's ha ha palace on Thursday at 2 PM. Wait, 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 wait. Let me write that Joey. down. Joey's. Ha 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 Palace. Palace. Kevin, I know you know it's a sponsor. You can't yeah. be smirch that. Uh, you know, you say they don't make movies like this anymore, and I'd like to say it's because they learned. Um, and you say they don't make movies of this quality anymore. I would argue that the word quality is doing more heavy lifting than the Incredible Hulk in that particular sentence. There is nothing of quality about this movie, and again. I don't know what either of you are seeing. And honestly, after your 98-minute rebuttal, um, Bill, I still don't know what you see about this movie other than it's an F you to Hollywood. That sounds like it's you have a problem with Hollywood, not like actually this movie. Before Bill Schultz, give me number one to ten. We have we do have to move this along. It's a ten. Ah, that was easy. Ray, give me your top five comedies of all time. Top five comedies of all time. Let's see. You mentioned Airplane earlier. I mean, I think that Airplane uh, uh, should rank somewhere on that list. All right. I'm a big fan, again, of the Naked Gun series as well. I think the one I laughed the hardest at was the second one, uh, Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely fantastic. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, again, I did see that when I was, I think, 13 years old. So maybe that's locked in the past. But I've seen that probably more times than most other movies. Uh, absolutely have to put that up on there. Uh, let me see here. You know, one you're going to make fun of me for, but I found funny was Rat Race. I thought that movie had some, <laughs> I thought Rat Race had some good jokes in it. That's terrible. That is oh, beyond Rat terrible. Race is, there is Rat one Race funny is Citizen scene. Kane compared to this one movie. I'm not going to sit here and defend Rat no, Race. Please I'll just don't. Say I You'll... laughed a lot when I watched it. Oh, and the, and the fifth you said, did I catch a fifth or was that five? I didn't. I didn't. I, oh, you said a fifth one out there. I'm just trying to think because let's face it. Most recent comedies that we've been given just aren't very good. You know, you've got the, the terrible American pies of the world. You know, even sure. Wedding Crashers, which is a decent comedy. It's not a good move it's not good no. but like at least it's, i found some things to enjoy montage, about. and then it's like uh tommy hilfiger ad it drags it, it, it drags it drags it drags it drags wedding it, it does drag pretty hard so i mean you really and then that's the problem is you know i don't know if there's a golden age of comedies i guess you could maybe ghostbusters mm. it's not really mm. a comedy though but it's a movie that i enjoyed that's allegedly a comedy but you know what that, the hell is it? If it's not a comedy, part. what the hell is it? A drama? A horror? No, it's I mean a it's a it's a sci-fi film. I mean at the end, no, of the it's day, not. It's got, it's got ghosts in it. What do you want? It's got it's got those sort of fantasy elements. That'd be like saying fantasy I mean, film. That'd be like saying Caddyshack is a sports film because there are elements of golf People in it. It's consider not consider Caddyshack a sports film. What they're are you talking wrong. about? It they're makes wrong. the top ten sports film for people all of them over fifty. 
No, that's uh, I, 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 as an ardent fan of Caddyshack, I'm the first one to say this is not a sports film. I would not. say because the major plot line is golf that it is a sports movie. I, I argue that it is a sports film as well. Not that golf is a sport. Fair. All right, the ballad again. The caddy and me, that's it again. All of the laments and the shit that the caddies went through, even Rodney's uh, amazing uh, golf clubs with the stereo and um, the, 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 the radar. And I don't know why. The TV. A, uh, yeah, the TV. I don't know why he had a program to like launch all of his clubs. That seems problematic. But um, as a caddy, you look at that and you, you empathize for Tony's brother having to fucking drag that thing around. That triggered me. So that's another scene that I have an issue with, actually. Uh, All right. People that had that. And the old people that were like, wee! And, and that's a peach, hon. Oh, my yeah, God. That, that I had those because uh, I was a bottom tier caddy. I had those fucking 90-year-olds. And a bottom in the clubs at night. Yeah, well, that was a different time, and I needed <laughs> the money because I wasn't making it as a caddy. Um, those Those resonated with me. These notes oh, brought to you by Gunning go. the Sicker Cow. No, go ahead, five Bill. Oh, sorry, comedy films, yes. Dumb and Dumber. I'll go five. I'll go Dumb and Dumber. I was just Fair. setting it up because I, I hated not finishing the list. Fair. I like your completionist. I like that, right? Yeah. I appreciate you. That's why you If I only gave you four and you asked me for five, three months from now, I'd be lying awake at night thinking about how this podcast aired without me completing the circle. <laughs> and I would, I'm not even, this is not even a bit. I would not be able to sleep because I'd be thinking about how I missed that opportunity. God, the therapist sessions you must have would be mind-blowing to listen to as a fly on the wall. Are you kidding me? I don't have one therapist. I have 10. They're a class. They're learning. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> They're studying you. <laughs> These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com where you find some sweet old t-shirts, hats, mugs, bags, shoes, balls. Hey, orange balls. I have a box of those. Give me a box of those naked lady tees. Give me two of those. Give me six of those. Seabill worked it right in. Effortlessly. Gutting the sacred cow at gmail.com if you wish to advertise with us. Notes I'm All Right is a top five song in movie history. I will not hear any arguments otherwise. It's a bad earworm, though. Once it's in your head, it doesn't leave for a week. I don't mind it staying in there because it's so goddamn yeah. catchy, much like Holiday Road. You know oh. what? It it is catchy. I, top five, I don't know if I agree with, but I will say it's that's the only thing with this movie that stayed with me. Well, but by the way, of all the people that wisely said no to Caddyshack 2, unfortunately, Kenny, Kenny Loggins was not one of them. I don't that even song know isn't that bad. No, 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 no. That song is actually good. It's I good. don't remember it. I have it on my phone. It's it's actually, but I tell you what, there's one like verse where he just shoehorns quotes from Caddyshack in the lyrics. I go, all right, Kenny, we get it. You're going to, you're, you just want a paycheck. We understand, but it's, it's catchy. It's called Nobody's Fool. It's called Pandering. Yeah, pandering, agree. Catchy, yes. Danny's dad looks like he's sporting the worst hairpiece in movies his, movie history next to Maury from Maury's Wigs and Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah, good. This is the film. If people say, what was the film you wish you were on location for during filming? This oh. is my first choice. A landslide I wish I was on set for. The amount of hijinks. Yeah. And yeah. fun is incalculable. Yeah. Kevin, just say you like cocaine. It's fine. I've never tried. <laughs> I've never tried cocaine. I swear to God, I haven't. I swear to you. Why is Ray? You got it. You stole a little bit of thunder for me. Why is Danny climbing down the fire escape in the middle of the morning? It's not like he's coming back late after curfew after having a tickle yeah. session with Maggie or Nunzio. The great Jim Norton has a fantastic joke when he said, Britney, when Britney Spears shaved her head and then she flashed her pussy in the car, it looks like Bill Murray's face from Caddyshack. 
<laughs> the lips, too. Yeah, bingo. I like when they broke the gumball machine. I like when this, someone has said, you owe me one gumball machine. If someone came back into the office carrying a replacement gumball machine and goes, here you go, debt paid in full. If I belong that, that, to- that scene truly did upset me, Kevin. You know, I, I mischief in movies. Uh, uh, sometimes I'm like, who has to clean that up? Who has to pay for it? I do have those thoughts. And this is the problem. In Caddyshack, I was more worried about the property damage and who was going to pay for the insurance than I was spending any time laughing. Uh, yeah, exactly. If you make a if you drop a hat on stage, Kevin, no matter how hilarious what you're doing is, I'm only going to be staring at that hat until somebody goes over and picks the damn thing up. And I that's think, the same Ray, thing. With you the and I house. have a lot of similar issues. I'm been, oh, yeah, my. I'm uh, yeah. Your house better be your house. No, we're better vibing. Be, we're not house, vibing about this movie, but we're vibing. Your house better be spick and span if I ever get inside there. It's got to be spotless, I would assume. But I'm not making jokes in here, Kevin. If I belong to a country club for those dues they pay, I'd bring my laundry, dry cleaning, and mouthy escorts that need to be buried for the amount of money they pay to be part of a membership. The Dalai Lama speech has been quoted on a golf course at least 25 times a day. Why? Because it's perfect. Mm. Rodney's suit at the country club looks like a scotch tape dispenser. But again, cocaine in 80s. Speaking of cocaine, the amount of cocaine ingested during filming must have rivaled the 86 Mets or Bill Schultz's house from December 21st to December 28th. Scarless, allegedly. <laughs> Even if you don't like Chevy Chase, which I get, or you don't like Bruce, uh, Bruce, I said Bruce, what's wrong with me? Bill Murray's performance, Rodney Dangerfield's performance is like a thoroughbred who never, ever loses his breath nor stride throughout an entire frame of this film. Rodney Dangerfield, top three comedian of all time. No one better at one-liners than Roddy Dangerfield. Not even close. Oh, oh, Kevin. Absolutely still laughing at Spalding going table-to-table table sneaking drinks. That's something we all did as so an accurate. early teen to so a T. Although it is inconceivable that when he comes out to puke, he has plenty of options on where to puke. This annoyed me a little bit. Yeah. He gives it a four Mississippi after hanging on the hood of the Porsche into the sunroof, deciding to vomit there as opposed to the bush to the right, the, the, the concrete to the left, but instead right through the sunroof. That's a dick move, but what do you expect? He's a bratty, snobby, uh, uh, you know, rich kid with uh, an uncle who can buy him out of anything. If, if I could add to that, the part that really confused me about this one, yes, he has bushes galore, chooses to puke into the sunroof, which is absolutely a dick move. But when the guy gets into the porch, what was he eating in the, that made up this vomit? Because he sits slides. on the driver's side seat and he slides into the engine. Like, wh- how? I've, I've sat in things like this before. Not once did I go hurtling towards the sun. <laughs> Rocketing. By the way, and it, vomit is a strong enough smell. If you were to open a door, go, whoa. Yeah. Who yeah. pukes in here? Bang. And you will look down. Especially, before you- especially in Florida in the summer. Or Wh- yeah, Which is why, Ray, you mentioned everyone's sweating. By the way, it was over 100 degrees every day during uh, filming. Those pit stains are not props. That's reality. It was supposed to be in the Midwest, yeah. and that was the mm. only club they could find that would allow them to film there. Bill Murray's character would easily be working at a Home Depot if he wasn't a caddy, and he'd certainly be talking to you while you're both taking a dump in a public bathroom. Now, that's yeah. facts. Yeah. Yeah. Although it'd be weirder if he were talking to you while taking a dump in your own bathroom. Then you'd have to work on your security measures. That's what Ty was worried about. <laughs> That's why the pond is better for him. 
if uh, this doesn't embody 80s fuckery to a T, nothing will. And I am completely for it. I love seeing everyone smoking cigarettes in the golf course. I don't smoke, but it cracks me up. Just another harken to the 80s. Hell, if I ever got in the fields of Augusta, I would just take up smoking just to take a drag and flick a cigarette in the field because, Ray, you're right, golfing is for pretentious assholes, save for my mother. Uh, you're a Daily fan, are you? Yeah. No. Oh. I don't watch golf. I, don't, I think it's the most next to soccer. Next to folks on the course. Next to soccer, it's the most useless sport in the world. If Yelling, I, you know. Can I just say right now, I've been shaking my head a lot. I've been shaking my head at both of your comments, like I was John Daly suffering the DTs at the eleventh hole. <laughs> All the, my, what's it? Yelling Noonan, ubiquitous. Yelling duty, 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 ubiquitous. Noonan reminds me of every jerk-off Guido at the Jersey Shore bar in the summertime. The only thing missing was an Italian horn necklace, tracksuit, and the 4D effect of him smelling like Axe body spray. Oh. But, a, but a memorable villain and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. My family belonged to a swim club in the 80s before we got an in-ground pool. We have standards, people. But the memories of the Caddyshack, the seeing the whole thing in the 80s, that was fun. A little nostalgia. Not for the film, because it stands on its own, as we all know. The video games, the snack shacks, belly flopping off a 15-foot diving board, that's all fond. Um, oh, here's, here, here's where I, I go, huh. This also annoyed me, the little subtleties. Angie, Nunzio's brother, gets his swim trunks yanked off by the gal whose candy bar he stole and threw in the pool. You then see him wearing underwear in the swimming pool. What monster wears underwear under a swimsuit? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, That's a garbage person. Underwear. It's a pure garbage person who does that. A caddy does that. I think I've done that. You, I've you know never, what? ever you worn guys underwear can in a show, You guys can show boobs all throughout the movie, but not one underage penis. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it worked for Romeo and Juliet. Criticism. I knew it. By the way, they did in Superman when he's naked when he comes out of the, uh, the, oh, yeah. the pod. Yeah, you know weird. what? If Nirvana had the courage in 1991, Caddyshack should have had the courage in 1979. I'll see it at LAX in six hours. Lacey's underalls characters would end up dying while booting heroin in the bathroom of Port Authority after a second divorce by 1996. Anyone want to bet against that? She's so hot. I love Lacey underalls. She made two uh, films. She said this John Peters scarred her by making her get topless. Yeah. This. yeah. yeah well, monster. no, he got in a Playboy crew and didn't tell her and said she's going to do a photo shoot, too. She said yes to the, the nude scene and no to the Playboy shoot. And John Peters said, you'll never work in this town yep. again. Yeah. What a dick. Well, it's weird that she did it and then never worked in this town again. Well, she made Tron two years later. I didn't know she was in Tron until yeah. I was doing a little bit of the research on this. Yeah. I, I thought in, that she was one and done. She was trained. She was in Tron and that was it. Ten if you made me have a sex scene with sweaty ass Chevy Chase having to pretend he's attractive and funny in 100 degree weather. No. He was baby oil, not sweat. But by the way, also she said he was the biggest asshole during that entire their entire scene together. Of course Shocking. He was. Shocking. No one is no one is defending Chevy Chase as a person, Ray. Let's just make sure that's I'm defending point. Chevy Chase as nothing. Period. Well, there is nothing defensible way, about Chevy Chase. Most accounts of the crew, which surprised me, most accounts of the crew, people did not like Bill Murray. And most people got along famously with Chevy Chase. Well, Chevy Chase the, probably turned them against Bill Murray. They were feuding. Possibly. Yeah, and he was but, more like, famous. Really, Chevy Chase was fine. Ted Knight in this movie is almost, 
almost as funny as Roddy Dangerfield. Almost as funny. Oh, I Ted Knight steals this film as the perfect quintessential wasp asshole. He owns it. His lines are, you said before, they are gifts. Why? Because they are perfect. By the way, how much fear did we all have banging at our parents' houses like Noonan got caught banging Lacey Underall? Uh, any good stories getting caught between the two of you? I'll share mine first. I left a pack of rubbers in the living room while banging out my ex-girlfriend down there. I slept over, and the next morning, her dad threw the three-pack at me, well, sans one, and said, you left these downstairs while we were at breakfast together the next morning. Yahtzee. Yikes. Well, um, I hesitate to mention this, but as you can, as uh, per before, the fact that Sister Nancy Murray used to babysit me, a uh, very Catholic family, and uh, girl in the basement, and my mom came down and caught us in mid-coitus. Oh. And I somehow, it was so mortified by this that I just assumed that she didn't see what she saw, ran upstairs to plead my case, and all I remember is my mom saying- Bill, put your pants on. Oh. No, but close. Bill, you still have an erection. And I wake up, I I I wake up in cold sweat sometimes with that memory still imprinted in my butt. And your follow-up was, Mom, but we're having meatloaf for dinner. I love your meatloaf. (laughs) Being a wedding crashers, Mom, the meatloaf. Being a wedding crashers, Mom, the meatloaf. I'll repeat it. I don't give a shit. Uh, That that explains the recipe for boner-inducing meatloaf I found online last week. Um, (laughs) Is that like like engagement chicken that women make, too? (laughs) Yes. Uh, I will say I have nothing to add to this because uh, the age is what I would have spent the majority of time at home. No one would touch me. Oh, I was surprised. Look, it was a rare instance for me. Hold on. This off the wire. Dirt is brown. Okay, onward and upward. (laughs) Thank you. You know, you 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 sit here and you say that you know uh, uh, what Ted Knight was like the funniest person in this movie. Second, yeah. Well, I think he was actually the funniest person. But that's not saying much. That's like picking you know which one is the brawniest Kardashian. I just Chloe, I'm just not behind it. It's not behind <laughs> it. You know, the bill. He showed that overacting is the right choice sometimes. Like the Fresca line. Read that on oh, paper. There's nothing funny great. about it. The way he delivers it. It's ah, oh, oh, mm. <laughs> he knows this is a campy comedy. Thank you, Bill. You made my next point. This is campy, and I said it's fine. You're going, yeah. everyone's over the top for a reason. It's a no, comedy. I, I would argue he is the best. He is the like this movie isn't good. He he does the best job in this movie because he's the one I think who put craft and knowing the situation above his own ego and trying to prove something. And I think that it shows because he was, he was the most watchable person on screen and I had no interest in watching him whatsoever. The Bill Murray Cinderella story is gold to the point where I'm watching football yesterday and to harken back to race point, watching the Giants beating the Vikings to where a Michelob light commercial is parroting Caddyshack yet again. This film is ubiquitous for a reason. Yeah, because they know their target audience is 50 year old men who started drinking when they were nine. I, I hit none of those target demographics. I just have a taste for a pension for quality comedies. This is the worst Irish accent I've heard since Cameron Diaz in Gangs of New York. It's a hate crime. Yeah. I would argue bad. Leonardo DiCaprio in uh, A Blood Diamond thinks that this is a terrible accent. I haven't yet seen that film. Is it good? <laughs> 
I can't speak to the quality of the movie, but I can speak to the quality of his attempted South African Kevin accent. Co- Kevin Costner and Prince of Thieves thought it was. Oh, that was life. bad too. Yeah. Or how about Carrie Fisher going British for the first fifteen minutes of Star Wars and then forgetting yeah. about it for the rest? Uh, odd choice. Odd I'll be choice. honest. I respect her for that choice. Why they, they should have re-shot well, that, that was, whole answer. Well, by the way, Ray, that was another choice based on cocaine. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, to be fair, we we say the '80s was the cocaine decade, but look, this was made in '79. The '70s were yes. truly the cocaine decade. Oh, the '80s doubt. were where we talk about cocaine, cocaine yes. decade. Yeah, the, well, the '80s was where we started condemning it. In the '70s, it was like a cup of coffee. Yeah, I love to know why a catering waitress is in her nightgown on a golf course at night. Is it a potential bloodlust for runaway dogs that are on the course? What you know, I didn't even bring it up. What was with that entire uh, angle at all? Like they do None. it. She comes back and she has in a very not funny grounded scene. I think I'm pregnant. I don't want to marry you. I just want you to know I'm keeping the baby. We have two minutes elapse. And then we come back and she's having a fever dream in, 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 on the green saying, I'm not pregnant. Again, not funny. What is this movie? Who is this movie for? I know who this movie is for, unfortunately. But I just, I think back to all these things you're bringing up about this movie. And I'm like, it's every one of these scenes is not funny and a waste of time. I don't know again where you're coming from i do think this is a legal precedent for them from them to sue the, the producers of caddyshack to sue madonna for papa don't preach because that's exactly the through line for papa don't preach video that's true thank it you is. yeah the captain ahab-esque mission of bill murray is silly as shit and i'm here for that the excuse to have chevy chase hitting golf balls late at night just to have a scene with bill murray is completely unfeasible but chuckle worthy because well, because there are so many feasible scenes, yeah. right, right. <laughs> yeah, because this is so silly. It's so grounded. Please don't tell me, Ray, you like Napoleon Dynamite. No, Napoleon Dynamite's a bottom five movie of all time. Okay, right next to but, Caddyshack. Okay, well that that last part we don't agree with, but at least the Napoleon Dynamite part we do. Okay, way, this keep, is keep... this is a question I get asked a lot, and my wife and I still try and figure this out. Recast this film with current characters of today. I can only give you about three. Bradley Cooper is uh, Bradley Cooper as Ty Webb, all right? Zach Galifianakis as Carl the groundskeeper. Emily Redzikowski or Joanne Nosochinsky as Lacey Underall. She'll take it. Rodney, impossible to try and cast. Ted Knight, impossible to cast. Danny Noonan or, T- or Neil Patrick Harris as Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet, sorry. Timothy Chalamet or Neil Patrick Harris as Danny Noonan. That'd be cute. Bishop Pickering, Cedric the Entertainer. Why not? Cedric the Entertainer could do not as well Rodney Dangerfield's role. By the way, when I threw that in there, Cedric the Entertainer rumored to try and have a Caddyshack reboot and was met with such vitriol, he backed down. Good. The $80,000 wagered in 1980. Want to know how much it's worth in today's money race to Canis? You know, uh, that whole thing was just mostly upsetting. Uh, I'm going to say it was worth uh, 250K. You're not far off. 291,600. Wow. Yeah, Can I you imagine that? There. Yeah, let that marinate for a moment. Is that Steve Wynn playing, uh, I don't know, Judge Judy? It's a lot of money. Is this a sports movie? It hmm. is not. This is not a, this is not a sports it movie. Is. It's not. It yes. Blowing up the golf course doesn't happen, but what a unique choice it was. And again, who's not for blowing up a golf course? 
And he makes the C4 into the shape of woodland creatures and then <laughs> mangles them, drops them in the hole. And the gopher looks at the at the at the thing and goes, Oh, that's clearly plastic explosives. I'd better run. What is this movie? By the way, that was an uncanny impression of both Kevin Goatee earlier and the gopher right now. Yes. I felt it like was. I was right there. They're that bleeding into each other. But by, by the by the way, by the by. Oh, I wrote this down. God damn, I lost the spot here. Never mind. What makes this film perfect? Despite silliness throughout, I can completely agree that it's a bunch of unnecessary scenes yes ted knight is a perfect villain perfect villain rodney dangefield is a perfect nove rich guy the penultimate ball buster garbage class warfare molly murray as the dullard chase as a quasi playboy fantastic i this is second and no attempt at class warfare films with jokes Ray, I can't, and this is where we disagree, I can't sit here with a red pen and watch old films and go, well, they shouldn't have said that according to today's standards. You can't go back and judge films years ago. What they did was okay at the time of that. I refuse to sit here and red pen shit, so I'm Wait, not going to co-sign that. We want to jump in our, in our Marty McFly vehicle and go back to 1980 and mm. watch it in its time, that's fine, but we aren't. We're not doing that. Again, I'm not watching it through the eyes of an eight-year-old, Kevin. I'm watching it through the eyes of somebody who understands comedy film. The biggest problem with this movie is everyone's an absolute piece of shit and everyone is punching down the entire movie. And you know what? Bullying other people is not something I've ever found funny. They're punching in up at the rich society, the entire it's the rich society film. punching down at the caddies and the working class. And they're the punching movie. back upward. What That's the joke. About? They're fighting oh. back the the tagline. The tag, wait, Bill, hold on. The tagline is the slobs versus the snobs. It's the it's the bourgeoisie fighting against the upper people and watching them with the, the voice. End? How does the movie end with with four <laughs> of the whitest people of the richest people escalating their bets to over what two hundred and ninety thousand dollars? While and all of lost. the while all of the actual people who are working are just following them around like some sort of deranged carnival act. Yes, I don't need you, and you and, 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 and you and that's why I asked you what your comedy or your top five comedies were because I have a reason for this. Naked Gun is there much of a plot? Not really. Airplane enough. Enough is there, one. that's what this is. There's this no, is enough. No, they of give up a on the plot, plot two thirds of the way this through the movie. Enough. Kevin, this is it's a, a bare bones minimum plot for a comedy, which was all we need. Do we need a whole elaborate pr- plot for Borat? No, we do not. Do we need a whole elaborate plot for Airplane? No, we do not. Same thing for Caddyshack. Same thing for Naked Gun. This is all a bare bones, just skeleton crew for a plot. Why? Because the jokes are the roof, and it is a rain free inside household let me ask this this, film is a 10 it's a zero do you kevin do you do you like date movie epic movie and all of those other strands because there's no there's no plot to any of it it's a bunch of terrible one-liners and barely anybody's trying the entire time those movies are caddyshack you just thought at a different time in your life these jokes are still works of art to where they are again i will even prove that by other reviewers when we get to the critics, actually later on, critics, five-star reviews. Caddyshack is an above-average example of the overinflated B-movie gag genre because of its expert performances. The humor in this film is very high yield. I laughed and laughed even when I probably shouldn't have. Never mind the fact that the plot regularly goes off track and into the rough. Haha, <laughs> golf pun. Caddyshack offers laughs aplenty. 
Given the short life of many rooting crude Hollywood comedies, it's amazing how well Caddyshack stands up after all these years. Critics, one-star reviews. And this one made me laugh. Should have put the gopher to work on the script. By the way, John Peters won the gopher in this film. That's why it's there. Do we all know that? Ah, oh, that makes sense. He loves spiders, too. Again, look up. Caddyshack represents everything that is wrong with contemporary cinema. Well, dickhead, this isn't contemporary, being that this guy wrote the review in 2018. I looked. 38 years after the fact does not make it contemporary. Uh, I guarantee this is the same asshole who finds Wes Anderson exponentially funnier than The Naked Gun. Next one. Wait, the whole milieu of Wes Anderson funnier? Like, um... yeah. Amazon five star reviews. By the way, I have you'll hear you're about to hear. I have never seen so many Amazon reviews where the reviews are just quotes of the film. Again, proving Ooh. the adulation of this film. We enjoy if they didn't look beyond one line. We enjoy a movie where there is real actors and actresses and no computer nonsense other than the gopher. I don't know if that was computer. Can someone tell <laughs> can someone tell this troglodyte that gopher is as computer nonsense as Teddy Ruxpin was? Uh, precursor, yes. I my sister had that. I love this movie. The laugh liners, the sorry, the one liners are a riot and better yet, with this DVD, there are no commercials. <laughs> what? I wonder if this guy is equally as amazed when he goes to the movie theater that there aren't any commercials on the theater as well during the film. <laughs> And he wonders where else he can find these great trailers beforehand. Look, Again, if, these should be red flags, Kevin. These five-star reviews are coming from people who think the gopher was 1980s best CGI. You don't think you're I not, chose? You're not picking up anything here? You don't think I chose these for a reason, Ray? I understand there are morons out there. I wanted to show them off as well. But it doesn't mar the fact that this film is still flawless. Next one. If you are a red-blooded American male and you don't give this movie five stars, then you made a filter. You may need a filter in your gene pool. It's not the best movie ever or even the funniest. It's just damn iconic. It's a rep representation of a bygone lifestyle that is humorously portrayed. Even if you despise the movie, you gotta love the gopher swaying to Kenny Loggins' I'm All Right. That song uh, alone deserves five stars. You're Here's helping Ray. No, I chose every because, again, one of these five star reviews has helped me. Thank you, Bill. No, I laugh at because, again, I'm laughing at the morons here. God damn you, people. Uh, here's another way to look at it. If you don't give this movie five stars, then you take yourself too seriously. Next one. What can be said about Caddyshack? One of the all time classic comedies, even with Danny's boring love life. Boring. He bangs out two women in 95 minutes. Better yeah, than this fan of Paul Bart Marl Cop did. Are you kidding me? Boring. Amazon one-star reviews. Look, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but this is a really silly movie. I was looking for a golf movie like Tin Cup, but this movie is just okay. silly, silly, tomfoolery, corny to the point of, huh? I love all these actors, but the performance in this movie were just dumb. So if you're looking for a fun golf movie, pass on this. If you're looking for a general dumb movie with silly gags, you might like this. Signed, Bam Margera. By the way, who said who this is? Happy still alive. Whoever said this was a golf movie? By the way, Tin Cup, boring as shit. I've turned that off. I say I watched Tin Cup for two hours, and then I said, "What's like this?" I know. I'll try Caddyshack. You know, what I rewatched uh, just last week. I'm, I'm going to put a stake in Bill's heart. You know, what I rewatched last week it is boring. Over, I should say, uh, not boring. Very overrated. Bull Durham. Sorry, kids. 
Pots oh. closed. Ooh. I remember oh, really liking Bull Durham. Yeah, no. Uh, by the way, that Tom Foolery, Tom Foolery person sounds pretty fun. I'd like to know who that is. By the way, next review, and these are my favorites. I did not realize there are two versions, clean, which they show on TV, and an R-rated version. We brought this show, show, she says, to my 96-year-old mother-in-law. Well, boobs were flashing and language was not good. My husband was really embarrassed that I bought this for him, brought this for him to show her. I guess I did not properly read what version this was. Oh, well, this did not help me get any good points with my mother-in-law. Who cares if you're scoring points with a 96 mother-in-law? She's not going to make it till next Easter anyway, guy. Relax. I love that the, the people decide that their thoughts are going to be proper reviews, that they have to just, they have to post online. Do they, how do you not know there are two versions? Is it, it is rated R. You know what? Can I, just, can I share right are, now? These people are allowed to vote. Shame on you. Thir- Thirteen-year-old Ray went to Blockbuster Video with his dad uh, after church one Sunday, and his nice. dad rented him this really fun science fiction movie that he saw on the t- made-for-TV version, and said, "I think my kid would be into this." A movie called Heavy Metal. Thirteen-year-old <laughs> <laughs> Ray enjoyed the heck out of that movie for reasons I don't think my dad understood. <laughs> I, I I will see your equal story and possibly re-raise you. Uh, my pa- I saw American Pie in the theater. I said it's hilarious, and my dad goes, "Oh, really? Cool." He took my then sixteen-year-old sister with my mother to go see that in the theater. Oh no! Sat next to each other and goes, "Wish you would have given me a heads up." I said, "Wish you would have looked at the rating and realized it was R." <laughs> next yeah. one. Partial nudity adds adds nothing to this movie. We can get the same idea without without skin. To anything that sexually stimulates outside of marriage between a man and a woman, we know where this is going, is morally wrong and needs to be avoided like the plague. I have seen edited versions on air TV that I enjoyed much more. Signed, Megan the Stallion. You know, I have to say right now, for the first time, I find myself agreeing with the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah. <laughs> fun. Uh, yet another fun fact. I watched this again on the plane to Munich with a buddy on the airplane editor version at the very, very end. It's not, hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. It's, hey, everybody, we're all going to take a shower together. Really? Oh, goodness. Last one. This one, I'll give credit for being uh, funny. It sucks. That's right. It sucks. It's a tremendous slouch. They should have made this movie before electricity. If you watch this, you'll get nothing and like it. Really needs to be buffed with a fine chamois. Well played, sir or ma'am. Well played. I need a movie that he hates quite I mean, uh, in that fashion there. Comical with the. You, you don't notice it's like, oh, all these five star reviews are coming from bullies, jocks, and morons. But I liked it too. Hmm. <laughs> Ray, do you like The Princess Brian? I find the Princess Bride to be overrated, but still somewhat enjoyable. Right, well, I find it to be delightful. I find it to be terrible. Bill Schultz Fine. did Ray Stacanus gut the sacred cow. Okay, here's the thing. Ray, <laughs> made, me, Ray made me laugh a lot. And um, Ray, I, I desperately want you on morning. Uh, let's do some kibbutz. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but look, you know, look, I thought my best arguments were movies like, say, Last Crusade, which I liked. But it's not without love. I like that movie. Not, not without its flaws, and fucking both the Kevins would give me nothing, and so I'm gonna return the compliment. <laughs> I thought you did a great job, but it's Caddyshack. It's hey, no, you did not. Ah! You had to, you <laughs> no, here's the argument. I I didn't come on here expecting to catch any laurels in my hair. 
I came in here what hair? to do the job that needed to be done. Look, I'm growing out the front, Kevin. That way people don't ask me. You know what happens if you if you're if you start losing your hair on top and you don't grow something in front, people come up to you and say, "Is everything okay?" in that unfortunate voice. That especially when you come out of Cedar Sinai, that explains a lot. I mean, look, I was there on a dare. <laughs> What kind, what, 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 Korean, what, what kind of Japanese game show were you on, Ray? Well, okay. So there's this really, really wild. W- no, I'm not. <laughs> Ray, listen, you know I love busting your balls and I, I, I get a kick out of it. I thought you made an excellent, excellent, excellent it was argument. Kind of great. It was good, but you're right. This film is impenetrable. I've, you make it, it's nonsensical. There are plenty of nonsensical parts in it. Scenes like the bishop being struck by lightning. Yeah, sure. Dancing on the course uh, with the, the, the nightgown on. What the fuck is that about? But the jokes just carry this film. And that's, again, for a comedy. That's what I want. Dramas, other action, not even action films, dramas, other films. That's where the plot is paramount. But this hour and a half of what it is. Jokes that land i i I think we agree to the halfway point and that all those things i absolutely feel like it could have used one likable character it could have used one through line that i could just follow and have the jokes kind of organically spin off of that but where we absolutely disagree is i thought it was just straight hack the entire way i i thought that even the, the i can understand being implausible for the sake of funny but when you push it past a certain point it just becomes uh unbearable to me and that's where caddyshack found itself they pushed the limits of credulity too far for me to find anything amusing and none of the jokes no, literally none none of the one-liners uh had an impact on me whatsoever and i'm glad that eight-year-old kevin and eight-year-old bill like this movie i never saw it when I was eight. year old ray did not <laughs> only a film in 1980 could make a trust funder who's never worked a day in his life likable and that's what ty was yes the judge had to actually earn his ownership of Bushwoods. Ty just had it from. But was he that yeah, bad? Was, was he that Ty. bad? I, I think you're attacking more of Chevy Chase than you are of Ty. Ty wasn't. I'm not that attacking bad. Chevy Chase. Uh, I'm, no, I'm talking about Ray. No, I'm saying, but I think Ray's attacking more of Chevy Chase than he is Ty Webb. Ty Webb, not that hate, like inducing, like other characters. You may say, I didn't no, get that at Ty Webb. I don't, the way I, I the way he talked to the staff, the way that he dealt with the caddies, and the way he he asserted his personal dominance because he knew deep down he could get any of them fired, and they had to listen to what he said. I've been in too many situations with overlings who knew I couldn't leave, who wasted my time, and I resent all of them. That's who Chevy Chase was in this movie. I know where. Okay, so no, 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 no. Where do you, let, let's stop? This is where I disagree, and I think you're wrong. Why do you, where did he try and get people fired? Where? No, he could have gotten them fired. It was the specter hanging over most of his encounters with anyone who worked there. Uh, I disagree with you. I don't know where where did could he what, what scene did he do that or even pretend he was to a even cast? Yeah, all he do he, he goes, "Oh, I gave you two dollars the other day. I can't fit the whole bill." He goes, "Oh, I'm going to college." Blah blah blah. He wasn't a dick to anybody. All the caddies like Danny Driver. No 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 no. Like he wasn't an asshole to any of those caddies or people. I disagree with you, Ray. Very much. Raging so. asshole, Danny? and that's day, fine. Sir. You don't have to see it. I now understand where you're coming from. <laughs> Common sense, not of repressed memories as a childhood being bullied. That's where it comes from. Kevin Goatee. God, we're going to wrap this up under just under two hours now, fellas. So we're going to cut a lot of this out. Kevin Goatee, Ray Canis, Love you, buddy. Bill Schultz. Love you, buddy. What an episode. This one was for the ages. 
And hopefully you've got a nice two-hour commute somewhere to really enjoy this episode, kids. We'll see you next time. Take care.